Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body, where we talk about all the real shit body image is actually about, because body image issues are never just about the way you look. I am your host, Jessie Neelam, and today I have Vishnu Ravi Sangar, who is a clinical researcher uh, with autism, and today we're going to talk a lot about the lived experience, um, because he's someone who I met and was just like, could not get enough uh, listening to the way that he sort of processes the world and I just found it so, so deeply interesting. Um, so welcome, Vishnu. Hi there. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you, yeah. Um, Okay, so one of the first things that I wanted to have you talk about um, that really just like got me so curious is your experience with empathy. Um, and I realized like I'm not asking you to speak for all people on this spectrum because I realize there are so many different experiences, but you mentioned having a lot of other people in your life um, on the spectrum as well. So I, yeah, I'm so, I'm, I would love to have you describe like what that relationship is like. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, exactly what you said. It's, I don't think I can speak for everyone, but in terms of my realm of wherever I stand, empathy is very difficult for me. It's something that it's, it's only to me, I've only un ever understood it as a theory or as when someone says, oh, I, I can, I completely understand, or I can feel what you're feeling. I can't say the same. What I can do uh, to counteract that obviously is to put myself in their situations quite literally. For example, if um, someone says, um, I don't like, can you understand working on a farm? How, how might that feel? I can't. So I can't empathize with that feeling. So instead I try to seek that out. So that's kind of how I get around it. But empathy is very complicated for me. It's not something that I can understand just outright. You know, I think it's funny when you say that because I'm like, can, can anyone really understand? I mean, it like, how are we defining it here? It, it's sort of a hard thing, a hard thing to make tangible, right? Empathy. Like how well do you have to understand it to say you're empathizing, I wonder? That, that is true. I mean, I've always felt like when someone could, says, oh yeah, I can, I feel where you're coming from. They actually felt, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't even know what's, what's considered normal. Right. I mean, but to me, empathy would be to be able to put yourself in another person's shoes and at least kind of feel what they're feeling, which mm -hmm. that's a alien concept to me. None of that makes sense. Right. How about picking up on what they're feeling? Like if you, uh, if a friend or partner was having a bad day, would you be able to walk in and tell from body language and things like that? Ooh, that one's also another hard one. Um, I guess it's connected uh, rightly so, but um, no, um, to, as, as a brief, like a short answer, <laughs> I cannot tell that. I usually will ask, um, and for example, there are things people do that are not they have their they have their routines so mm -hmm. what how i find out is if they deviate from that routine or if they say something that they wouldn't normally say then i ask and then i get confirmation but i can't tell if someone is feeling kind of stressed or angry or sad um i'll look at it and it'll just look strange but i uh -huh. won't really know how to what where to put it i'll just that's what that's when i ask is when the moment yeah. i notice it's strange I ask and then I go okay 
but I've gotten in trouble for that many times. Yeah. <laughs> and this is something I, I've worked with quite a few people with autism. And, and this is a very common, obviously a, a common experience, um, mm -hmm. not being able to read people very well. But it's so interesting to hear you describe what you do instead. So if there's not like a natural intuitive understanding of mm -hmm. like, oh, the, the body language and facial expressions I'm seeing right now are sad, mm -hmm. you're literally looking for patterns mm -hmm. and you're noticing that a pattern has been you know, like yes. someone's out of their pattern. You're like, that's not how you usually see yeah. what you normally yeah. do. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's another reason I'm called a robot is because it, it's not like, um, I feel like how my partner puts it is I'm very, I'm too robotic. I'm like too structured. Everything's black and white. It's, it's one or the other. And that's mm. difficult because that's how it is for me. There's no to me, uh, like when I see other people, including my partner, it's all, it seems like just a big gray area, which I don't know. I don't like to function like that. I like to <laughs> work based on this or this, not whatever's in between. What do you mean gray area? Is it just the fact that you have to like navigate? I mean, I guess what I'm thinking is like black and white would be like a lot of area, like your work probably has a lot of black mm -hmm. and white. Mm, yes certain yeah certain tasks are definitely black and white but the relationship mm -hmm. is sort of always in flux and kind of yeah. like moving emotional is that what you mean so yes actually yes that's exactly it um so essentially for example um my partner could tell me hey I don't appreciate it when you do this or what something you've done has made me feel hurt and my solution is to never do anything within that to trigger that emotion again, because now I've got, but that doesn't work very well. I see, yeah. Just saying, oh, um, I said such and such, or I, I overstepped this boundary this time, never again. That's my, my, my solution is to avoid causing that emotion ever again, whereas how we've talked about it. And I do realize that if by me doing that actually makes the situation worse. Right. Right. Cause it's not yeah. always necessarily intended. So mm -hmm. it, in that, I also hear that pattern recognition where you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, you just give me the codes like, yes, yeah. no, you know, green light, yes. red light, like I'll follow the rules, but mm -hmm. there isn't that again, like an intuitive sense of what is like needed in these mm -hmm. moments or the fact that maybe it goes against the pattern actually would probably be a better yeah. way of putting it that mm -hmm. like sometimes you might do something and it goes well and sometimes you do it and it doesn't yes. and you're like, what's the rule then yes yes exactly <laughs> it's, it's trying to find structure out of this yeah. is, is the biggest difficulty I think that's what made the relationship so hard for me is there was no structure it's yeah like I can I can do tasks or I can work and there are certain outcomes for certain things you do. That's all fine. Like that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. But people and all of that, just they never do what I, well, sometimes they do what's ex ex expected, but a lot of times they don't. So that's true. They're that's, so inconsistent. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I'm sure I am too, but I it, just from my view outwards. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, so with this question around empathy and reading emotions, I want to have you talk a little bit about your own experience of emotions. Like, how do you know if or when you're feeling an emotion? How do you identify that in yourself? Mm, that one's, I don't know if I've ever really solved that or 
Like I know, I know I feel things. I know they are there. It's just, and you see, this is where I'm not sure if this is just normal or, but how I process emotions are, I don't really know if there's a right way to, like if, for example, something is done and it's upset me, I recognize that I feel, I just, it's usually very, very simple. It's like something would make me uncomfortable or not uncomfortable, something would just make me uneasy and that's an emotion. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. It all there's no there's no clear boundaries as to like whether I'm angry or sad or happy. Mm. And do you yeah, feel that's, in that's, your body? Do you have like a like a sensation in your body that's like an emotion is here versus an emotion is not here? Because mm. I would say that's that's something I help clients do sometimes is like if they have trouble like tuning into their emotions, I might have them like notice where do you feel sadness in your body? Is it different than where you feel anger? Like, because there's sort of maybe like a tightening of the chest or sort of a clenching in the guts. Like these are sort of physical sensations that can make you oh, react to. I have noticed that. Like when I'm yeah. sad, I, I like, for example, like when I'm, when I'm angry or whatnot, I have like, it, it feels, no, I, I can see what you mean. Like my body feels angry. Like I feel, huh. yeah, I see what you mean. And then sadness, I don't know if I could pinpoint it to a certain body part per se, but I'm not sure. I mean, this is hard for everyone. And this is like, I'm yeah. asking you very tricky questions, but uh, mm -hmm. what fascinates me, I think, uh, is the way that you happen to be someone who's thought so deeply about the experience of, of mm -hmm. being you and how you process that you can really speak into some of these experiences on a level that is, I think, just really like we don't get to hear much of. Yeah. And then, of course, the fact that there is still I mean, I think it's getting so much better. Um, the social stigma around autism and, you know, being on the spectrum is changing pretty rapidly. But there's still yes. like, like you said, robot, right? Like every single one of my clients on the spectrum I've ever worked with have mm -hmm. been called a robot at one time or another. Yes. And it's just this, it's like this horrible insult that is just basically yeah. like, I don't see you as fully human because you don't exactly yeah. respond the way I'm used to. Mm -hmm. No, no, exactly. It, it's so I guess to answer, well, no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Is it's just difficult. Oh, actually I completely forgot where I was going with that. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I wanted to hear about how you experience yeah. emotions in part, because I think um, a lot of people on the spectrum read as though they don't have them and then can't communicate what that experience is like. Yes. So with that, yeah, like for example, I know I have emotions, but I usually, so I think this is something commonplace or I'm, I'm I assume you've seen it too, but where people can just shut down. And not, not, I don't mean shut down as in like hide away or whatever, but I mean, it looks like they're there, but they're not there. Yes. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, like Absolutely. shutting off emotion. So that is something that I, I have done people I've watched, they have yeah. done it and, and you're able to just like function without emotion. And there's not, no, there's almost no drawbacks except from the emotional connection point. And that actually is where I used to feel the most comfortable until I got into my first committed relationship, which is this one, mm -hmm. where it's forced me to pry open even myself and look at the emotions before this, before this, whenever I felt a certain thing, or even it began to feel mm -hmm. bad, 
I would immediately just say, well, I'm not feeling that anymore. And I would just continue. And friends would always look at me and go, are you not hurt? Are you not feeling, do you need a, do you need a beer to feel better? Or, I don't know. <laughs> like they'd always, they try to cheer me up and I would tell them, no, I'm, I'm perfectly good. Like, um, I would sound a little different. I believe that's what they've told me, but beyond that, I, I function well. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a coping mechanism of sorts, but it has helped, but in a relationship, it has been very detrimental. So right. it has its pros and cons. Yeah. So something about that, that's really interesting is that you just said it doesn't have a downside and I experience it for myself mm -hmm. as having a downside. Cause to me, okay. I shut down when I'm like mm -hmm. overwhelmed, usually mm -hmm. in some kind of like relational, you know, <laughs> something's like triggering something. Right. I yeah. don't shut down into like a, it's like my whole body gets really still. And really tense and I'm like sort of clenching and I go completely numb and I don't feel any of my emotions anymore and I'm just like it's almost like I'm like disembodied I feel like almost dead inside but to oh. me it is very unpleasant oh. it has a downside and what you're describing is more of like a neutral state it's it's actually fairly nice um I I, I will say like I've been able to grow about like I've handled stressful situations bad situations in a way that I can look back and go, oh, I did that really well. You know, like yeah. I, I'm really happy with how I went about that. And I attribute it to like, I was able to like, not be influenced by what was going on, not, yeah. uh, not be like to, to act in a rational way in my mind, I guess. So right. that's why it was so positive. Yeah. Do you think that makes you particularly great under pressure? Like, would you be like, everybody wants you on their like apocalypse survival team? I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if they would want me on. I, I don't necessarily have a lot of the good skills you might need, but I think it does help when, whenever we've like, like whenever I've been with friends or been with family, and there is something stressful that happens, I'm the first to be able to go and categorize and say, okay, this is right. what we need to do now, later, and that's definitely a plus. I would say. Yeah. So I mean, that is cool because I definitely identify the other way. I feel like I, when I get emotional, I'm like it is hard to come back to being grounded. Mm -hmm. So I could see that being a huge benefit, especially under certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. But what about, so you said in partnership, mm -hmm. the big downside, even if it's totally fine for you, is that it what makes your partner feel disconnected? It, it she, like the way, the way my partner is phrased it is essentially she's talking to an, an inanimate object essentially because i and i and i respond it's not that i shut her out or anything like that i do still respond and everything but she said none of my words seem to carry much weight it seems like she's just plugging in numbers and numbers are coming back out mm. to her or or she's she says, don't do that. And I say, okay, I won't do that. You know, there's, there's no give oh, or yeah, take. Yeah, it's yeah. just, yes, no. Uh -huh. How, how do I do this? No, I cannot do this. You know, it's very systematic instead of having, how would I, I don't know if there's a metaphor or I can't think of a good metaphor yeah. to describe it, but essentially the push and pull and all the, the irregularities of a fight even are, do not right. exist when I am shut down. When I'm, when I'm, when I've shut down or when I have kind of closed off my emotions, I, I just go about it. Like, what's your issue? How should we solve it? Like it's, it's very methodical and it helps yeah. in certain aspects, but in others, 
it there's a lack of I don't actually know what the issue is. I, yeah, I, no, I can I, see I it's complicated. To, yeah, I hate to say it like that. I know it's important, but I don't quite. I've never. I've, I've tried to, but I still don't understand why it's important. Actually, why yeah. it's important to like go through the whole the nuanced dance. Other yeah, than just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Do you know what I feel? Sometimes I, I like get this funny zoomed out sense of how humans are just people and we're, mm -hmm. like especially when I'm learning about certain things like sociologically human mm -hmm. behavior wise brain science all these things and it's like you find out that like a person on this chemical uh looks uh, like their body language changes or they look mm -hmm. around more often or less often or tiny little mm -hmm. things. Right. And then you hear, Oh, well that impacts people this way. I, it just makes me really understand that humans are just playing out like a biological dance most of the time mm -hmm. without realizing oh. it. Like yeah. someone clenches their shoulders and the other one like responds and it's just mm -hmm. all happening below the level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like you're saying basically the issue is you can't understand because you can't understand. Yeah, like what the problem is is the exact thing you're not playing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like no, I that that's that that is very well put. Yeah, it's it's exactly like I just I'm just looking at a situation that does not make sense to me. So I have to try to like look at resources, talk to my therapist, yeah. and basically regurgitate these situations mm -hmm. out to either a website or to a person, and for, let them interpret it for me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's sad to say, but let them interpret it for me. Um, give me, interpret it in a way that I can understand. And then I go take that information and apply it to my day-to-day -day life. Yeah. So it's, it's always been helpful to have people around me who I can like bounce things off of because without that, I feel like I become, it actually, I feel kind of closed off because I don't yeah. have they're, they're almost like my interpreters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Now, this is sort of a weird question because it's not like you can know another way of being to really answer, but do you find mm -hmm. that frustrating? It almost oh, be, feels like not speaking the native language or something. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's always been frustrating. I mean, um, well, actually I take that back. It's been frustrating in the emotional aspect of, for example, getting close to people, getting close mm. to friends or relationships, those two, it's been really difficult. However, when it comes to just going about day-to-day -day life, like my traveling, me going out to new places, doing new things or job opportunities, it has always been a plus. I've always been able to use that to my advantage because I lacked the fear of looking because I couldn't empathize with people, I didn't care what people thought of me. Amazing. So yeah. I could just do whatever. I could I could apply for whatever. I could um, uh, because I couldn't read people. I was also more direct, which is also mm -hmm, another mm -hmm. thing very appreciated in a company setting. Yes. Is I can tell them, hey, this is something I do not like. Straight to a person instead of going up to HR. I would t talk to that person directly without any fear of the, what they think or how their opinions change because I don't understand that anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Um, so I, that in that sense, I think it's, I think it's helped. I, maybe th there are negatives that I just haven't heard of, <laughs> but from an exterior view, it looks good. 
It yeah. makes a lot of sense. I, I actually have never even thought about that, the lack of fear, because you're not like wrapped up in, again, it's like this empathy, humiliation dance. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like you're just not participating, so you can mm -hmm. take whatever risk, and then if yeah. there are consequences, you deal with them. Yeah, exactly, yes. That is, that is a perfect cool. way of putting it. If there are consequences, then I deal with them as they come, but yeah. yeah. But you're not going to like do all of the the legwork to guess what that might be and play it exactly. out in your head because that's not mm -hmm. yeah yeah super interesting um so this actually brings up the thing i really wanted to talk about which is mm -hmm. your understanding of social cues um okay. you already described how if you were to like walk in the room and your partner's upset like what would you be using to guide your information about yes. what's going on yes um mm -hmm. a lot of social cues you know they're complicated they're constantly mm -hmm. happening they're usually unconscious. I mean, we're not aware yes. that we're doing them, but we are constantly mm -hmm. doing them. You describe them as being very bit difficult to like read, pick up on, understand. So I was going to have yes. you talk a little bit about that. So um, would you like to know how I've kind of gone around that or what? First, what you mean by it? Like, can I hear an example of like a social cue you might not like mm. understand or, or pick up on that maybe is notable? I think one of the, uh, let me think. You gave Honestly, me the example a, before. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, so probably one that I can just think of are when someone's uncomfortable. Like I I can't tell when they're uncomfortable. Like I like I know that there are like loss of eye contact. And I mean I can I can remember all those things, but like I'll try, I'll try to look and like watch for eye contact, like see if they break it quicker, or if they're like crossing their arms or shuffling around or but I, that's one of the hard ones. I, I've made people uncomfortable. I've asked questions. So let's say um, one, one good example was when I was in college, I asked a friend how much they made and they answered me and everything was fine. I thought so. And later on, a friend of mine came up to me and said, Hey, like you made him really uncomfortable. Um, and, and I didn't believe him. And I asked mm. the guy I had made uncomfortable and he, he was he, like, yeah, you, you made me very uncomfortable. And th those are situations that can happen, if I'm not careful, can happen very often in my life, is where it's not just uncomfortability, but all the whole right. range. Yeah. So uncomfortable, that makes a lot of sense, given what we just talked about in terms of like mm -hmm. difficulty picking up on emotions and that sort of empathy thing. But you also mentioned not knowing what would come off as offensive as a very yes. similar place. Like you might not know once it happens, Mm -hmm. but also you don't necessarily understand which things are going to be offensive and which won't? Yes, for the most part. Where um, do you think that comes from? So um, stuff that, where do I think that comes from? Let me think. Or like, how do you experience it? Yeah, any, any oh. insight is fine. I don't mean so, to be too um, with, with like what offends someone, um, that I know what, um, for example, what you see on the news or media, well, like media, or I even ask people what they find offensive. And I kind of go off of, for example, uh, oh, I like, for example, even now, I don't know what I can bring up that's offensive and what I can't bring up. Um, <laughs> to give us an example. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so I'm trying to think of something that's not too controversial, but see, I go mm. off of social yeah, like society yeah, yeah. standards, like what I see on the internet that people are always bickering about or have strong opinions. I have, I, I know those are more likely to create issues, but only because I've seen other people right. have issues with them. Like racism is a big one because for example, for me, like I, I know that's definitely a topic that if I were to like 
talk about without much care I could offend many people Mm. um so like that's how because I know I know that because I've read about it and I understand it right you know but things that I don't understand for example there's quite a bit that I don't understand, but you gave um, me the example of um, telling someone that they looked weird when they got a haircut mm-hmm. and being surprised okay. that that had like upset them. Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah. like that's a good example because it's not uh, about like a cultural like there's no nobody on the Internet is writing articles back and forth about how you can or can't say that yeah. someone looks weird because they yeah. got a haircut. Right. It's like yeah. its own unique experience. Yeah, exactly. So like, those are the ones that I have to kind of find out in the moment. And hopefully the person is direct with enough with me right. to tell me that they've offended, like I've offended them. And I go, Oh, uh, like, I'm sorry about that. Let me fix that. Yeah. yeah. And how is that for you? If somebody says like, wow, that was really rude or you made me uncomfortable. Does that, does that bother you? Does that feel like, helpful? Oh no, that, that feels very helpful. That, that definitely, I would rather that actually one of the biggest fears I have of people silently resenting me I'd rather open resentment where they (laughs) yeah I'd rather they tell me they hated me straight to my face so I knew instead of me kind of having to just guess that they like me or they don't like me you know um but um but yeah uh I sorry what was the initial question there oh that's okay I actually was just thinking about how I think that I think that kind of applies to everyone, not everyone, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I do feel like we would all be so much better if we all just spoke really directly and bluntly, but because all of this, like this whole dance of social Mm -hmm. cues and politeness, like that really Mm -hmm. does not happen all that often. Oh, I I completely agree. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, With social cues, Mm -hmm. you mentioned your workaround was essentially to like study what you were seeing other people do kind of commit that to memory and now you're also mentioning that there's a certain amount of research involved again being committed to memory so do you feel like when you move through like a social event or something you're just like like going through spreadsheets in your head and like like acting in the ways that you try to remember like how does that feel for you so so for example if I'm in a social setting and I have, um, and I'm, it's not full of people that I am very, very close to, which is pretty much everyone. Mm. Um, I will act, how would I put this? This sounds really bad. Um, but characters, um, almost where I, I hold, I kind of limit what I say, act in a certain way that I basically mimicry. Yes. How, how I, how I watch other people have acted in the past who have acted successfully. Um, I try to try to copy how they did that, how, how they, for example, if I went out with a party to a party with a friend and he, and he acted a certain way and it was very beneficial. He was able to socialize well. Um, maybe his starter conversation was like, uh, what's the weather today? I I'm sure it wasn't, but you know, he, like just mimicking certain things that they say, do. Uh, let's say he very, sits very upright with constant um, constant eye contact and well-dressed. Mm-hmm. I copy that, for example. Mm-hmm. And I do that. If I have to go to a social setting, I will fit those categories. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So have you heard the term masking? Masking? Um only after you've talked about oh, it. Okay. Yeah. Me. Did yeah. you talk about it? So mm-hmm. uh, for anyone listening, masking is a very, very similar to what Vishnu just described. It's like the way in which a neurodivergent person learns to mimic a neurotypical person, basically just to kind of make life easier. 
mm-hmm. minimize uh, all of the instances where that really stands out. Um, it's similar to uh, like code switching for people who oh. are multicultural or multiracial and they can switch back and forth in how they sort of like show up with people of yes. their own race or culture and then like the dominant race or culture. Uh, oh. I mean, it can be like an incredibly useful and valuable skill or tool, obviously, but mm-hmm. also it speaks to a complete, uh, like a completely terrible system requiring so many people to be doing it as just a way of getting by, mm-hmm. because that means our world really wasn't built for everyone. No, no, that's, yeah. that's very true. And I mean, it's, I mean, I understand, I, I understand that there, there are all these different, um, how would I put it? Um, I understand that most people have a good understanding of how the world works and how, how you should act in society. So I have that respect and I know that I don't, so I have to compensate for it. So that's my, I I, I don't know. That's my view. I feel bad for saying they're not catering to to me. No, well, you don't have to say it. I'm going to say it. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that it is, uh, a, a sort of oppressive system worth fighting against, but I will just ask, what do you imagine if if our world had been built like for or by people on the spectrum? What do you imagine would be different? I feel like it already has been. Um, I mean, it's just we people on the spectrum tend to work. Um, I mean, oh, but you mean you mean if society was built? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, it'd be pretty bleak, I would say. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I think that this is this is especially after like watching people for so long. I think, like, for example, I can't play music. I, I don't have the, or I can't paint. I don't have the creativity. Um, I would send in oh. a checkerboard. I basically painted the same picture every every test for my art class. Um, oh, but so interesting. I can appreciate, like, I know that it's important. I know art and music and all these, all these, like, creative, like, like movies and music, all of that is are things I can appreciate, but I can never do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the creativity for that. And I'm sure some some people with autism do, but for me and how I see the world, I know that it, I just can't, I don't have that creative flush right. or whatever you call it. So huh. that's something. Mm-hmm. That is something. So do you think it would just, it would be like a lot more sort of systems and yeah. yeah. Very systematic. Uh, I wish so. I I know there's a movie out there, which I really related to. I was like, wow, this is how it designs society, but I can't remember (laughs) the name of it. I'm sure it's out there, but yeah, it was very successful. Very like, I mean, it did well. It catered to people in the sense that like everyone got their basic needs and everyone's needs were met, but it was very bleak and it was very, and it, I don't know. It just, it just wasn't very fun. It, That's yeah. interesting. You're making like a super excellent case for just neurodiversity in general. Like it mm-hmm. takes all types, right? Yeah, it, it does. It really does take all types. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So one thing that I wanted to um, have you speak on is, like I said, the, the thing I loved about talking to you about this is that you have gone to the uh, you've done the intellectual labor of trying to understand your own mm-hmm. mind, your own process and put mm-hmm. language to it and be able to communicate it, which is like mm-hmm. really cool and unique. Oh. So I wanted to hear why you felt so drawn to do that. Oh, like what um, drove you to like ooh. be this curious about the way you process and understand the world? A few things being, let's see. 
That it has a few there there are a few reasons there, but one of the main reasons was um my my mom was uh, was a schizophrenic. Uh, look, so she experienced the world and she was undiagnosed for the longest time. So she experienced the world very differently from and I grew up with this. I grew up from when I was very young yeah. all the way till I was almost in my teens where she was finally diagnosed. So it was so I watched her perceive the world and act in society very differently to, and she was a single mother as well. So mm. like seeing that made me want to not, not to say fit in, but understand the world a lot better. So I didn't go through, and I know it's a very different thing, sure. but it's, I wanted to excel in society instead of where, she, where she was, where it was it was terrible. Wow. So, yeah. That's the main reason, but yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awful. I'm sorry to hear that, but also <laughs> no, no, it, it, it does it, make it, a lot of sense that you basically were able to see an example of someone mm-hmm. unable to mask mm-hmm. and went, I'm going to learn more about this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going like to more prepare myself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and then another question is how this experience of being somebody who processes the world differently. How does that impact your sense of self, your sense of identity, like how you feel about yourself, your self-image? In terms of self-image, I honestly, like at least how I, I know this isn't shared by everyone, but I am almost overconfident. I, I, I feel like I don't feel challenged really. Maybe for the most part, how I, I, how I feel like I've gone through life, it has been fairly easy um, except uh, I've I've had some weight related issues, but even then I was able to take action against it. And I would, for example, any any um, superficial issues that I notice on myself, I rectify. Anything in terms of oh I'm not good enough, I don't have. So I'm always mm-hmm. I I'm always able to do something. I don't talk myself down with anything. So, so I feel yeah body image stuff set aside, like mm-hmm. in terms of how you see yourself, do you identify as having flaws? That's a weird, way, a weird way to ask that, I guess. Laws. That's interesting. You put it that flaws? way, but uh, could you, could, uh, like, oh, laws or flaws? Flaws. Although laws, laws. is also super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole nother set there, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but no, um, with like flaws, things that make I... you feel bad about yourself, I guess flaws, it could, you could just observe it neutrally. So oh, maybe that's what you're saying. That's, that is what I'm saying. So okay, I flaws, see. I do, I do have many imperfections. There are, uh, there are places that I do not excel in. There are places that I'm bad at, but to me, that's not something that I need to feel bad about or sad about because I see so many imperfections everywhere. It doesn't matter. Like, I know it doesn't matter because if everyone were to say, oh yeah, you don't know how to play the violin very well. Um, I just go, well, like, right. most, yeah, most people can <laughs> anyway, so I'm not doing anything wrong. So okay. yeah, it just isn't, yeah. So mm-hmm. that is a really cool thought that you are able to mm-hmm. apply the same kind oh. of like rational and neutral lens that you might apply to, you know, like the relationship uh, dynamic or a fight mm-hmm. or any of these other things. And basically you're able to apply it to yourself and say, I just don't have to feel bad about that. Yeah, exactly. It's 
it's kind of a superpower. I mean, that must be amazing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, basically I work with people who feel bad about themselves. So like the, I mean, and I teach body neutrality, mm -hmm. right? Having a neutral lens and you just have yeah. it. Yeah. It, it, it's just like, I don't, there's nothing to be, I mean, to be completely transparent, I feel like it makes me overconfident. I, it, it has its negatives too. I feel, I feel like sometimes when I talk about myself to other people, it, it's another thing that I can't relate with people with. Uh, people who do have uh, like trouble with their body image, mm -hmm. I can't relate with them. Right. They and there's so many people who do, and I try to talk to them and say, "Oh, um, why do why do you not like this about yourself? Th this is normal." And they it doesn't help them. It right. I, I'm, that's something that frustrates me is I haven't been able to provide uh, comfort to people who yeah. do have body image issues. Is I I just say this: you look fine, I look fine, we all look great. <laughs> like I don't. It's so care. simple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, that's another thing that another downside, again, it's more so like not being able to communicate to people right. that right. my, my point of view is the hardest part. Yeah. And if someone were to come to you and, and be <clears throat> struggling with something that you didn't understand, whether it was body image or mm -hmm. I don't know, like another emotional thing, mm -hmm. uh, just feeling bad about themselves or insecure in some way, what, what would you do? I mean, how do you respond? I've, I've come across that situation a few times and most of the time it's first of all I'll basically let them unload on me in terms of all their all, whatever yeah. trauma is uh, is there that's making them sad um, I'll basically get as much information as I can from them and then from there I will do research I, I will go and and it's it's I know it's right, weird but right. no I mean Wikipedia, every every like um, scientific yeah. journal, I'll I'll look at it, look it up or YouTube videos, but I'll basically try to figure out how I would how what I what tools I can provide them that might help them. Mm -hmm. That's how I've helped them figure it out. Or for example, I had a friend who was like really depressed and he was coping his coping mechanism was drinking and smoking mm. and i was like oh that and, and he knew it was and i'm glad he knew that it was unhealthy it's more difficult if someone doesn't acknowledge yeah. but um he was drinking and smoking so i was like okay let let me give you a different coping mechanism you know like and we started working out and going to the climbing gym and mm. by giving him somewhere else to like fixate his mind so he's, he's to distract himself yeah he got better or in my mind he got better because now he just climbs religiously instead <laughs> of right yeah. so, so that's how that, i solve yeah your problem solver mm -hmm. is that how you would want to be supported if you were upset about something like does that resonate yes. for you yeah yes absolutely i would i would really appreciate it if and that's kind of where my, how my therapist handles it and why it's difficult for just a random person to help me is because you have to go about it a specific way right. um, to where I understand it. But yeah, I would definitely appreciate it if people did. Do you then, if someone were to support you the way a lot of people want to be supported, which is by being like, I hear you, that makes sense, sort of like validating you, would you be like, yeah, okay, but what's the solution? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, oh, people have done that in the past and I just go, mm, I see. Uh, like it really just, it doesn't do anything for me. Right. Like 
telling me that you've experienced it doesn't it doesn't matter that's that's another thing i don't quite understand why empathy so that's another part it's like i don't understand why it's important when yeah it just matters how you react to a situation and if i can add something to help you react to it i'll take it you don't have had to you don't have to empathize with me or whatever right. you just need to give me some good advice and i will take it I don't know how to explain that. Sorry. No, I think you explained it really well because that's such a key component here. It's not just that you don't like automatically pick up on it. It's that Mm -hmm. it's not intrinsically rewarding for you. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't give you the immediate feedback in your body of like, oh, that makes me feel so much better that most Mm -hmm. people are responding to without even realizing it in a moment Mm -hmm. of of like comfort like that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's so hard. I've been there like, I, you know. Those mm-hmm. moments just are nothing for you chemically, yeah. like clearly. So mm-hmm. that is such an interesting difference. Yeah, that is very true. How okay, and then there is so I will say with all of this talk about being enjoying not having emotion, or not 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 to say enjoying not having emotion, but enjoying the ability to shut it out when necessary, yeah. or the ability to just look at things clear cut. I feel like intimacy and whatnot has been a big change. Like it's made me question a lot of things. Like I used to be very content about myself in that, in the sense that, oh, I'm thinking the right way. But like, because I do start, I I do start feeling like I feel sad when my partner's gone for a long time. I never thought I'd ever feel like that. I don't, I don't know why I, I just, it's, it's just, weird and um so yeah I don't know those are things like I wish I had been able to understand that all sooner now I'm having to deal with it um I mean I'm glad I have the resources like a therapist and whatnot to, to talk to her about these things but it's it's very strange intimacy to me is now it's been a like like actually knowing some you know what like I know I'm sure you understand the distinction between just seeing like just dating and whatnot to being like actually intimate with someone Mm -hmm. and knowing them on a personal basis and them being in your lives. Yeah. I feel like that has been very difficult, but rewarding and also very interesting. I'll tell, I, I tell this to my partner all the time, but I always say like, this is such an interesting thing you've shown me. You, you've shown me, that I, I have insecurities. You show me that I have things that I love. Like I like it's, it's, it's really cool. You know, sounds like it's like uh sort of opened a whole like door in your psyche mm-hmm. and you're just like in this oh. new room now being like, Oh, what's all this? Oh, absolutely. And I don't know what to do with it, but it's fun. It is very fun. I love that. Um, well, one question I think then is, does intimacy give you that like rewarding immediate feedback in your body? Like when you and your partner feel very close or have a really good conversation or it feels like romantic, do you feel like, ah, that's awesome? Yeah. Or is it more a thought? It's, it's, I feel like, oh, that's a really good question. I just did this a few days ago, but it's never been, it's always been, like I, I talk to myself a lot. So I, I like I talk to myself in, in terms of how I, I conversate with myself. And in those moments when I'm feeling happy, I, I like I recognize this is a good moment. This is very good. Like 
I don't know if I necessarily should feel anything, mm -hmm. um, but I sure as hell know that I should. Yeah. And I know I was, I, I look at it and go, wow, this is awesome. I'm having such a good time with this person. I'll make sure I remember it. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if everyone else feels something there. Yeah. There's no um, way to compare really. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, so I, I hear it all the time where people talk to me and tell me, yeah, I feel like this rush of emotion and I feel like my, my head gets warm or something like that. They sure. tell me all these different things that I've never experienced, even though I'm confident what I've experienced was just as at the same magnitude as what they were. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things. It's like everyone could try and describe the color blue and like yeah. we'll never know if we're seeing the same color because it's just mm -hmm. it, you can't find out. Like you yeah. can never know exactly what you're missing or what other people, you know, are missing or like any of these things. But it sounds mm -hmm. to me like there's definitely like an immediate reward happening. It feels something feels good. Mm -hmm. And therefore intimacy so. is drawing you to have to face all the stuff that feels hard and learn and grow yes. and all stuff. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, there's easy solutions, but I know they don't work. So I'm not going to try them. Like easy isn't like I can no longer, I've, I've, I've vowed to myself that at least when it comes to my partner, I'll never shut down or at least try not to. Mm -hmm. I'll always keep be engaged and try my best to interpret, even if it's like a, a puzzle to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try my best because that at least shows that I'm more engaged to, with her right. than just going, well, let's solve it my way, uh, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I would say that that's sort of a an empathetic action. Like you're choosing to make sure that she feels like cared for and loved rather than to mm -hmm. choose to feel better immediately. Mm -hmm. that is very true I I guess so I mean I know I do prioritize I do prioritize so yeah I do prioritize my partner over well, pretty much everything yeah so which may come a little bit from an intellectual place rather than mm -hmm. the way you describe empathy as like feeling what she feels but mm -hmm. I do still see that as empathy oh that's and see it might be I I honestly don't know if that's what you call empathy, but I mean, I definitely like, I will do whatever yeah. I can to ensure her happiness. Yeah. Um, and if it means keeping my emotions engaged, I will do just that. And yeah. just with my friends as well, just like with my friends, I will do what, what ensures their happiness. Mm -hmm. And if it means that it needs change for me, or I need to look at something a little bit more closely, I will, I'll do exactly that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this brings me to the like most intense question that I have for you, mm -hmm. um, okay. because basically what you're describing to me sounds like kindness or love. Mm -hmm. Like these are really caring things that you're doing. You are mm -hmm. noticing what people need and choosing for that to be important and taking actions mm -hmm. in alignment with it. Right. Yeah. But when I talk to you about how uh, how you felt as a person deep down, you said you mm -hmm. you often feel like you're not a good person. Correct. And I would love to hear more about that, but also especially mm -hmm. in like, it seems totally to conflict this, like being a kind person mm -hmm. to the people you care about things. So go ahead and talk about that. Oh, um, so my, my reasoning is, um, so I thought actually after we had that conversation, I thought a lot more about why 
And I realized the distinction is because I care about the people I care about. And by that, I mean the small, very small circle I have. And everyone outside that circle, I do not have any, any inkling of wanting to help or, or provide yeah. for them. And the reason that in itself, I know is not bad. Actually, like, sure. I think it's normal, just like you would choose someone you cared about. Um, you know, that train, the, the train, yeah. the hypothetical uh, train situation, mm -hmm. one person you knew, three person you did, four people you didn't know. Most people, a lot of people would choose the person they knew yeah. to, to, to save. To save, yeah. Yeah, so that is normal. However, for me, I've realized, for example, mm, if my partner asked for orange juice from the supermarket and I went to the supermarket and there was one more orange juice bottle and there was a little child there who, or, or a, like a, a old man or, a, or like any, yeah, any yeah. kind of person who would create pity, I guess, I don't know. Uh, and they needed that bottle. They needed it really badly. I would still yeah. take that bottle anyway, even though my girlfriend doesn't need it. She may mm. just want it, um, I would do. And that applies for all people within my circle. And that's where I feel like is it's bad because it is black or white there. It's either you're, there, there's very little compassion outside that circle. Um, I mean, I can still interact and I can still be pleasant, but if you ever put me in a place where I have to compare, like weigh the two, there is almost no, no, no hesitation there. And that's why I think I'm a bad person. Yeah. So, tell me then, gosh, I have so many questions coming up in mm -hmm. listening to that. Um, so one thing that I thought about mm -hmm. after we first discussed this, that I'm like, I want to just talk to everyone about now and like learn mm -hmm. more about is like, what is a good person and bad person? And how do we define yes. that? Mm -hmm. um, because the way you're describing it is essentially you feel like a bad person because you are not experiencing like a connectedness or compassion mm -hmm. for like the wider world mm -hmm. only for like a very select few that have gotten inside your circle. Mm -hmm. But what do you make then of like, um, gosh, I'm trying to think like certain sort of hippie woo phrases, like we are all one, a lot of spirituality and religions oh, will say that kind of thing. Like, what do you yeah. make of that? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, well, when people say that to me, I, it doesn't really mean too much to me. I, I know that sounds really bad, but yeah. it, it it really doesn't. It's just it's not something you can connect to the idea of no. like being a part of like this bigger a humanity. bigger picture. No, I mean I can I what I do, can connect with is maybe being a part of the environment, like taking mm. care of our wildlife, our plant life. Mm -hmm. um, that is something for some reason I can relate with more than taking care of our society because I already right. have probably pretty negative views of it already. <laughs> right. So it just doesn't interest me nor have people proven to me that they are worth sure. caring about. And I don't think that would change even if they did. I don't know. It's another hypothetical that. Right. Right. Yeah. But just such an interesting thought though, to be like, well, if you can have enough like love, kindness and care to protect the people in your circle Mm -hmm. that's good. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have enough compassion to sort of generally want to make the world better, mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're certainly labeling that as bad. I don't 
know that mm-hmm. it is. I don't think that it is, but I could understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from. But yeah. like nobody can do that for everyone. So wouldn't That's true? Wouldn't it be? I so this is where I think it's like the people I've met have kind of told like I don't know. I've met I've met individuals out there who are genuinely compassionate and they are able to be compassionate towards everyone regardless of where they come from regardless of what has been done to them for example it's it's almost like a buddhist mentality where right like no matter the harm you are inflicted you do not you are compassionate to all that Mm -hmm. to me and i've met individuals like that that to me if everyone was like that this this our we would have a utopian society if everyone was compassionate towards everyone else for no reason and even in the face of having something bad done to them right mm-hmm. and so, i yeah, met individuals I mean, yeah you are kind of holding like a, a pretty common religious like philosophy against yourself mm-hmm. in this way you're like charging mm-hmm. yourself as bad the way that you know a lot of religions maybe would define it. Did you grow up with religion? I can't remember. Oh, I grew up with a few religions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I, yeah. So uh, do you think you that's like, go- I, I mean, anything you want to share, but I, I feel like I can see how that influence might come up here because compassion is such a yeah. big pillar for so many religions. I, I will say that. Uh, now I will say most, um, I, I was raised Catholic. I, uh, converted to Islam for a while. Um, I was, oh wait, no, I was raised Catholic and Hindu because my mother was Catholic, my dad was Hindu. And then I was raised in a Muslim, a prominently Muslim country um, from the ages of eight till 19. So that was mo- like a decent part of my life. And then I came to the US and tried out Baptist Christian uh, Christianity. So that was fun too. But um, I think what I got out of that is I I understand the compassion, but I felt like a lot of the people practicing religions, oh no, I I don't want to say that because I have met people who were genuinely compassionate. You're welcome to say whatever, because I, well, first of all, I'm not religious, but I also feel Mm -hmm. like what I'm starting to hear you put together is something that I would agree with, which is there's a lot of hypocrisy among religious people. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I always don't know what's right to say. (laughs) But but yeah, it's, it, it, there was a lot of hypocrisy. And and while it claims to have compassion, claims to have, like, you, you, you are good to your neighbor and whatnot. Yeah, there rarely ever is. And it usually is. It, it is usually a mask for people to say that oh, I'm a great person because I'm donating. Yeah. Whereas to me, that actually does nothing. Mm. It's for me, what I measure, how I may see like measure a good person, whether that they're a good person or not is looking at their actions towards another person mm-hmm. and how, how genuine that action is like donating $2 million to a charity organization and someone helping an old lady cross the street. To me, helping the old lady cross the street means more. Even if the financial impact is has a better impact overall, right. I'd rather- I'd, Why do you I'd think rather, that is? Why do you make that distinction? Because I feel like so many people do kind acts 
for some underlying reason, for greed, um, or just to feel, um, what's the word for it? Um, what's it? They, there's a specific word to self, like self-serving, to, yeah. to make themselves feel better. Yeah. And I see so many people act or live their lives out to just to act like the better person, to act like they are better because of their actions. Yeah. And it just doesn't sit right with me. Whereas the truly compassionate people I've met, they have, they expect nothing. They just, mm. they simply give what they can, but what they give the, like, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I wish I could like show you an example of a person like that, but I think is. I understand because it feels mm -hmm. to me like what you're saying is that there is, um, when there's a catch, when it's mm -hmm. like sort of done in order to get something in return, it doesn't feel genuine to you. And therefore it almost doesn't count, which again, makes sense mm -hmm. as sort of like a, a binary, like a, mm -hmm. a black and white coding of yeah. what's going on. Um, but then let me ask you, because mm -hmm. compassion and empathy are super similar, mm -hmm. right? Like empathy is sort of the ability to pick up on what somebody else is feeling mm -hmm. and connect to it in the way of like, I can feel or understand that feeling. Compassion mm -hmm. is sort of God, I should definitely have a better definition off the top of my head here, but it's like to care about what they're feeling and yeah. feel, you know, uh, some kind of positive connection oh. to what they're feeling, right? Like that's how is a little that... bit of a different definition than I do for okay, me. Wait. It's yeah. Oh. Redefine it. Cause I don't know if that was accurate. Oh. No, no, no. I mean, I think that's more normal, but for me, it's how much you're willing to do um and like if for example if mm, let me put it's like it's a it's a cost it's it's a how much effort against how much cost it is to you that's that's how I see it it's like a big bar that that for example if homeless person who has very little gives me their dollar mm. that means a lot more to me than if um, a wall street like stockbroker handed me a hundred dollars right Okay, so I just looked up the definition and it it is described or defined as sympathetic pity and concern for the suffering and misfortune of others. So it basically mm -hmm. is what you're describing is like how how much are they willing to sacrifice mm -hmm. on behalf of someone else's getting out of their suffering? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And that does make a lot of sense. So if you were to just sort of do stuff that wasn't of any sacrifice, you're not going to mm -hmm. read that as genuine compassion. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's it's like they it's because to me it doesn't seem like there'd be anything then and it's yeah. even worse than there when there's something expected out of it then it all goes into the trash sure. bin for me yeah but the reason i was asking is because i was thinking you do have to have it's a sympathetic here in the definition mm -hmm. not empathetic but it does feel yeah. pretty similar like if for you you're able to connect not maybe to like the misfortune of your girlfriend who uh -huh. needs uh orange yeah. juice obviously but there is something yeah. there there's a connection to her and caring about her experience but you don't feel like you can connect to like this stranger who oh. might want it in uh, the store i'm just wondering is that about not being able to connect to feelings that may actually not that doesn't exactly so how it would more so go on in my brain is this person who is here in my social rankings has asked for this where and now i'm faced with someone who i do not know and has not had any time to prove whether they are what where they are so i will value this what this person has told me over mm. this person you know it's 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 more of a 
just all a ranking, a big pyramid right. of people. Okay. So, yeah. so the reason I was asking is like, how much does this just have to do with being on the spectrum and not being able to connect to something? But it sounds to mm -hmm. me like what you're really describing is a, like an innate, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Hierarchy. Like yeah. an innate ranking yeah. system. Yeah. That it's, makes it's, you it like it a is person. a hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, well, I could talk about what makes a person a bad person or not and the philosophies <laughs> behind it and orange juice and all of the things forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else um, as we kind of start to wrap up here, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about or that, that we had like mentioned mm. that you wanted that we didn't touch on yet? I wonder, I mean, to be honest, I, I'd like to, like, I wonder how many, um, so in your experience, how many people have you, like, are there people who you think could be on the spectrum, but may not be as evident? I'm, I mean, there's, there's all, all ranges. Yeah. So I just wonder how many of us are on the spectrum, if any. Is a fantastic question. I mm -hmm. do feel like there's becoming more and more awareness of it. And so people mm -hmm. are getting diagnosed at higher rates, which mm -hmm you know, if you look at it from the one way, it makes it seem like people are getting worse, but I don't think people are getting worse. I just think we're having a more complete understanding of what it can look like and catching yes. people who aren't so extreme, mm -hmm. um, which is a good thing because it shows really like what the actual situation is, what the population of people, you know, who mm -hmm. have these like, you know, processing differences are. Yeah. Um, but also I think, probably a lot of people who are never going to bother go and do mm -hmm. anything like get a diagnosis, for example, mm -hmm. are probably on the spectrum just the same way as like a lot of people who have, uh, you know, like a little bit of eating disorder yeah. uh, patterns, uh, you know, they yeah. might not, if it doesn't spiral into something that they're like, mm -hmm. okay, now this is really distressing me and, and interrupting mm -hmm. my life. There's really not a whole big motivation to go find out where, where exactly you rank, right? Everything yeah, is a spectrum. Yeah. And yeah. like, if you're not, if you don't have a reason to, most people aren't going to go find out granularly yeah. where they are, you know? So <laughs> I do think true. that. And I think it's really interesting to talk to people who have diagnoses and they're like, uh, basically learning about it for the first time in their twenties, thirties, forties, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And they're like, Oh my God, this makes everything make sense. It's such a validating experience to have mm -hmm. like a name to go with this experience and then mm -hmm. a community of people who understand and have written about it and talk about it. So I think it's mm -hmm. like kind of amazing that we can get, get these types of, uh, you know, labels and stuff as needed. Yeah. But a lot of people, I really just think if you like read about it and you connect with it, like mm -hmm. you may be somewhere if it's validating great, if mm -hmm. not, like, don't worry about it. No, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it is progressing at a rate that I really like to see. Like I've seen so much more, so many more people be more understanding when mm -hmm. I talk about it, which is different from when I was growing up in Malaysia. Um, it was definitely seen more. It's it's where I developed the masking was in Malaysia yeah. because it's such so much more backwards in terms of how they see not just mental health, but different people in general. So I, that's, that's why masking was so necessary. So I'm glad to see that the U S has really improved there. And it has improved rapidly. I will say, even when I was like in school, you know, it was definitely like a, a really negative label. It was seen as almost like a learning disability or, a, yeah. and, and, and certainly it can 
be Mm -hmm. for some people, but for the majority of people that I've worked with, it's much more just like a different way of processing the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. One other question I did want to ask is what do you wish people knew about being on the spectrum? And what do you wish people would like how, how people would behave or interact differently with you if they knew they were, you were on the spectrum? If, if I could tell someone before I interacted with them, I would say transparency in terms of just just not holding anything back because they're worried about me or whatnot. Just complete transparency would definitely help. Just eliminating eliminating anything subversive would be great. I wish I could tell people that. Just don't don't expect me to read into anything or figure out anything because it's I'm going to be very bad at it. Um, you mean so- you use the word subversive? Do you mean um um um, um subtextual? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, yeah, like, yeah. like for example, someone says, um, "Oh gosh, this this just happened recently." Um, someone said, uh, "Oh goodness." Someone said, "Oh yeah, um, she's." Uh, I, I can't remember the exact situation, but basically, when someone tells you something and they mean a few other things right, with that right, sentence, right, right. I wish that wouldn't happen because <laughs> it, I yes, I am so it. literal when it comes uh-huh. to things that I can't understand what that means. So I have to ask for clarification. And at times that clarification may have caused other issues. I see. So, yeah. So you wish people would be like direct, honest, and mm-hmm. no subtext or uh, whatever that is, that example. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, other meanings. Exactly. Exactly. It's just complete directness would be the, I think the most appreciating, uh, like the best thing you could do. I've talked to other friends who are similar to how I act. And overall, they all agreed that if only people were more direct mm-hmm. and didn't also didn't try to search for subtext behind your words is a big one. Oh yeah. Because um, I, I, for example, I had a friend, he was in, I believe he's married now, but um, one of the biggest issues he had was that he would, he would answer in a very direct and like clear cut manner. And there was no give or take but he was always he was always seen as rude or mm. very like insensitive or not taking into account other factors. To me, we we got along very well because I didn't care and because I made it clear to him that I, I was going to tell him exactly what I yeah. thought, whether it was from work or from social activities or whatever. But with other people, he got a lot of flack for just not. Mm for apparently being people thinking he was mean or meant that they were this and this. Yeah. yeah. I do feel like that's a, like a really common dynamic, even uh, just in general, like among uh, men and women in relationships where like, because uh, a woman may be like, see, I mean, this is a very heteronormative like generalization mm-hmm. here, but like a woman may be seeking like that subtext, like learned how yes, to you know yes. do all this subtextual work. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, what, you know, like, what did you mean when you, yeah. you know, when you said it in this way? And he's like, I literally didn't mean anything. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that's a very common thing and just sort of being exaggerated when you process yes. it the way you do. Yeah. I, I really think that's a, yeah, no, that's a good example because I've noticed that most women I have interacted with are much more like, so like emotionally aware, which is a really good thing until they're interacting with someone who isn't. <laughs> and then, then it's an issue because, but, 
But um, it, it is, it's another reason why having a partner now has yeah. really given me a lot of insight because I've never been able to look at emotion in the way I have now. Yeah. So that's well, a, this whole learning thing. Yeah. You know, it's also something that I deal with in my work because a lot of my clients are women, as you can imagine, mm -hmm. with body image. Um, but so something that I see a lot of is that women who for any number of reasons, uh, kind of learned that they had to like walk on eggshells and, and sort of mm -hmm. like to stay safe in ways that, um, were all done subtextually. Like they have mm -hmm. to find out using subtext, what someone feels about them in order to stay safe. And it, it happens a lot, especially just cause we live in an unsafe world. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons that this develops. It does tend to be true that a lot of women will, basically be in the habit of like, um, never speaking directly and never assuming yes. anyone is speaking directly. It is a constant hunt and detective game mm -hmm. subtext. And so with you, I could just imagine that being like, literally, I don't even know what you're doing, but it's not what I'm doing. Like this is completely yeah. separate modes of operating. Yep. It, it was exactly like that. It was, uh, I like, it definitely helped that in my current relationship that I had amount of time to truly explain what was going on why I'm like this what like I'm very glad I was very transparent with it I had very few boundaries yeah. at that point but had that not happened had I immediately jumped into something it would be very difficult to understand yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to wrap this up. So thank yep. you so much, Vishnu, for being here and sharing your experience. It's super important to me that we get um, as many, I think, voices out there as possible so that people can kind of un understand each other across lines that they maybe yep. wouldn't or don't have people in their life who can kind of explain it. So I'm really grateful that you came and talked about your experience. Oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, if uh, I always ask if somebody wants to like find you on the internet, where do they find you? But you're, you, uh, is that a thing? I mean, do you have like Instagram? Do you feel like having followers? I, I, I do have Instagram. I mean, I don't really use it all too much, but uh, yeah. It's okay. Um, yeah. It's totally up to you because we can link to something in, in like the notes or not. I mean, we can also just say, this is Vishnu, everybody. Great. <laughs> oh, I think this works. I feel a bit okay. embarrassed, honestly. Okay. Oh, totally gosh. fair. Um, well, thank you. See, so and that's, a, that's a weird thing. I say embarrassed. Ah, I don't want to get into it. No, no, no. No, it's, I want to hear. No, it's just, I say embarrassed. It's more so like, and see, this is where, it, how emotion works for me is I, I, I know why I feel the way. It's embarrassed because I don't know if I'd want my friends making fun of me for it. Um, see, and it, it's like, there's a reasoning towards yeah. why I don't want to. I don't know. Yeah, it's intellectual. Yeah. I mean, I think you've like explained some of these things so beautifully that I have seen and shown up in uh, a lot of people with mm -hmm. autism that I've worked with and are really difficult to name and identify and talk about. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you've just done a great job of bringing like a lot of clarity and nuance into those concepts. So mm -hmm. I, I love hearing about it. Oh, um, thank you. All right. Well, thank you for being here, Vishnu. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody who's listening, if you want to hit me up, you can find me at jessineeland.com or on Instagram at jessineeland. And uh, thank you so much for being here. I'll catch you next week. Bye.